Is your wallet lighter than usual after a fun-filled summer? A little cash can go a long way, which is why the Chime checking account has tons of benefits you'll love, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today. Get started at Chime.com fee-free. Chime is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services and debit cards provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stripe Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. Welcome into The Verge, a show which covers the Baltimore Orioles minor leagues. The Verge is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. On Twitter. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we feel like having options like video podcasts and Q&A lets us be more creative on another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Welcome to this special on the birds. This is Zach Spedden, joined as always by Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens. We are coming to you just about an hour after the MLB trade deadline to discuss a move made by the Baltimore Orioles. The Orioles went out and bolstered their rotation by acquiring right-hander Jack Flaherty from the St. Louis Cardinals in exchange for three prospects, infielder Cesar Prieto, left-handed pitcher Drew Rahm, and right-handed pitcher Zach Sowalter. This move is a rental for the Orioles as Flaherty will be eligible for free agency after this season. The Orioles are hoping, though, that he can come in over the last couple of months in this year and stabilize a rotation that needs a little bit of help, despite the fact that it has helped carry the Orioles to the best record in the American League to this point in the year. So far with St. Louis, Flaherty had had a 7-6 and six record with a 4-4-3 ERA and 109 two-thirds innings pitched with 106 strikeouts against 54 walks. There had been some positive trends for him over the last month and a half or so, as in his last 12 starts, he has a 3-4-5 ERA to go with a 3-4-4 FIP and a strikeout-to-walk ratio of 2.48 to 1. So we're going to discuss that as well as the players going back to St. Louis uh, tonight in this special emergency edition of On the Birds. Let's just start first our general thoughts on the deal. Um, Nick, we had been waiting all day for something to drop, and the Orioles, this move was reported about 10 minutes before the deadline. What's your reaction to it? This is a lot to digest. Uh, it, this is new. It's a new territory for us. I mean, yeah, the Del Hernandez trade was one thing. The Easton Lucas for Fujinami trade was one thing. But this is uh, completely different. Um, it's it's fun. It's exciting. I think overall this rotation got better, right? This, this is a veteran, a guy with so a proven track record of success in the big leagues. And you ran down his numbers, and we can dive into him a little bit more here. But I just think my initial quick thought is the rotation got better. The Orioles did 
didn't empty the farm system, uh, but this rotation is now in a better place. Uh, it's you've got some insurance in case something happens. Like we just talked about last night with Connor, uh, you know, if Tyler Wells is down there in Bowie right now, the Orioles are trying to figure out what to do with him. If something else happens anywhere in this rotation, even just a small bump, every team that Ailey's is with is within striking distance. So even if it's just, you know, this particular starter needs just a short IL stint, that's going to leave every other team with a chance to capitalize on that. Uh, there's the slightest bit of blood in the water. These other teams are going to attack like sharks. Uh, and so Flaherty, I think, just kind of shores that up a little bit. And, uh, you know, I'm it, when it was announced it was just Cesar Preto as the return, I was like, all right, Preto for Flaherty, beautiful. I love it. This is great. All right, let's, let's do this. Uh, and then I was like, all right, then it's Drew Rahm. And I was like, all right, let me think about this. Oh, then Zach Showalter. All right, we got more to digest here. Uh, but after thinking about it here, uh, I, I like the deal. I think, it's a, I think it's, it's got good potential here for the Orioles. Yeah, I had similar thoughts. Just like you said, when it was mentioned Prieto, I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. He seems like a great fit for St. Louis, and he's a guy who, yeah, really good prospect. But, you know, when's he going to fit into this roster? We've talked about that a lot. I'm happy for him that he'll get a better opportunity with the Cardinals and that he's, you know – not going to be blocked by a million other infielders. And then Drew Rahm came through and was like, again, like, okay, yeah, you know, he's that, I don't want to say soft tossing lefty because I don't think that's fair to Rahm. He's increased his velocity a lot uh, over the over the years. But he's like a crafty lefty, I will say. And, you know, a fringe major league starter to a decent relief arm out of <laughs> bullpen. <laughs> sorry about that and uh yeah then i was like okay I, I can accept this these are two guys in the 15 to 20 range makes sense because this is a seller's market you know prices are steep and then i i saw later zach showalter was involved and my baby hated that quinn hated that news as well he is going to be the headliner for the cardinals if i'm a cardinals fan that's like the guy i'm most excited to get obviously he was rocketing up our top 50 with a bullet i think i had him in the mid 20s and uh with an up arrow at that so that one hurts but he's also 19 years old in low a pitching three inning stints it's a long way to go before he makes the majors there's injuries in there and we have a ton of super talented arms in low a between aberdeen and delmarva so hurts but you know in this seller's market if this is what it took to get Jack Flaherty, I am not surprised that we did not get Eduardo Rodriguez or Dylan Cease or someone like that. Um, how about the Tigers, though? They're going to lose Eduardo Rodriguez when he opts out, and they're not even going to get a qualifying offer because of the uh, the opt-out there. That's that's unfortunate for them, but it is what it is. I do like the trade overall. I'll say it's a C just because we gave up a lot, but you had to do it. You need to shore up that rotation at the Major League level. Maybe you can fine-tune some things, get Flaherty back to closer to his 2019 self for the playoffs. And at worst case, he can go in the bullpen and be a pretty strong arm out of there. Yeah, I was initially a little bit disappointed when I saw that Joe Walter was going in the deal. I was fine with it with Prieto and Rom. But then when I started to think about it a little bit more, the lower-level pitching depth in the minor leagues is as strong as it has been in the Michael Elias years. Uh thanks in no small part to the fact that the Orioles put a heavy emphasis on pitching in the draft this year. 
you still have guys like David Davy Cruz, Moises Chasse, who are not as good a prospects as Sowalter. I'll make that clear, but you have enough of those guys and one of them clicks. That works out for you. And you also don't know what you have in Sowalter, which to me is an argument against trading him because maybe a year from now he gets you more than he could have gotten you this year, or maybe a year from now he rockets up so much that he enters that you know realm of untouchable prospects. But at the same time, you could spin that around and say that is a case for trading him. He's young. He's not throwing more than three or four innings in a start this season. It's very possible he would have started next year back at Delmarva and probably several years away from the major leagues, even with this change in organization. So, so Walter to me is, if there's a helium guy in this trade, it is so Walter without a doubt. I think we kind of know who Prieto and Rom are at this point. Um, and I think both could have long, fairly productive major league careers, but so Walter is the wild card in this trade from St. Louis's perspective. Yeah, I'm looking. We're going to update our top 50 here for next Monday's show. And I, my list isn't finalized here. I'm going to run through it a couple more times. But tentatively, like, I had Joe Walter in my top 30. I had him as my number 28 prospect up a couple spots. But he's in this big group with Justin Armbruster, Trace Bright, Gene Pinto, Alex Pham, Carlos Tavera, Carter Bumler, Juan Nunez, Kiefer Lord, Luis De Leon, Davey Cruz. Like, there's that is legitimately like the order that I have a massive group of pitchers there at the back into the top 30 into the 40. Like Showalter of that group probably probably does. I mean, he has the most helium for sure this season, but that's a pretty wide net the Orioles are casting there with pitchers. They spent a lot of draft capital this year on pitching. Uh, we're seeing so many of the young international arms start to really uh, improve, and you know, just at you know maybe Delmarva level right now, but still they're improving. You mentioned guys like Chasse. We're seeing these guys repeat Delmarva. And they're having success in year two there. So their development's on track. So, you know, it's he's he's the big pop-up prospect this year, but you know, you got a proven starter. So I mean, and like you guys have mentioned, when you look at what other teams paid, it was very clear that the asking prices for like Eduardo Rodriguez were through the roof. Like we were talking before the show. I imagine based on some of these Michael Elias quotes, I know he's talking to reporters right now before tonight's game. I wouldn't be shocked if the Tigers said it's Kobe Mayo and someone else, or it's Sammy Basayo and someone else for Eduardo Rodriguez. And no, I, I I don't think that's the Orioles are quite ready to do that kind of trade. But you know, like I said, Flaherty here. I mean, the numbers. He's still just 27, right? So he's still young. He could still be entering his prime. Yes, he hasn't been the 2018, 2019 version of himself. But you know the velo's down to like 93. It was up in you know 94, 95 just a couple of years ago. But you know the ground balls are up, home runs are down. I think if the walk rate is also up, but if you can fix that and tweak that a little bit, you've got something here. And maybe, maybe he's an extension candidate too. You know if he's a good fit and he likes Baltimore and the Orioles like him, I think that makes this trade look uh, even better. But there's clearly there's still a lot of potential here with this trade as well. That's the part that, uh, that kind of sells me a little bit more. Yeah. He could just be a rental and he could be gone at the end of the year. If so, just help us help out this rotation this year, get us to the playoffs. He could be a valuable arm in the playoff run as well, but there's more potential with this deal as well. So it's, it's makes it a little bit more intriguing. I think. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, he does seem like a good fit for the clubhouse. Seems like a guy that's super competitive but at the same time, just a good guy all around to be around. And yeah, you're going to be able to, you know, mess around. Him and Chris Holt can get in that, that, uh, 
the war room and, and tinker with stuff. And if they like each other's vibes and what they're doing, maybe he says, look, I'll, I'll come back for another year or two, keep working on this, and then I'll try to cash in big before I turn 30 in a year or two. Um, and also feel like we've talked about it a lot recently, but clubhouse chemistry, Orioles didn't trade anyone that was on the 26-man roster right now. Saw quotes from Kyle Gibson last night this morning saying like, yeah, we could do something, but honestly, if they don't do anything, we're fine. We believe we can win. And they did. They went out and got a starting pitcher, but they also showed that they believe in the team as it is. I personally would have loved to get another reliever in there as well. But yeah, um, I just think if you can just get him, get the velocity tick up a little bit. I wonder how he would do out of the bullpen come the playoffs, but it's going to be interesting if D.L. Hall comes back, John Means comes back, where are all these guys going to slot on the playoff roster? And if we're spoiling where these guys were on our soon-to-be revised top 50s, I had Cesar Prieto at number 13, had him moved up all the way there. Drew Rahm fell down to 21st, and I had Showalter at 29. Yeah, and I, one more point about Flaherty. I don't know if you read these numbers off Zach, but his last five starts, did you read those off already? I can't remember. But his last five starts here in the month of July, 29 two-thirds inning, he's got the ERA down to 3.03. The whip is 1.42. I mean, compare that to June, he had an ERA of like 5.3. The whip was 1.77. He had 10 walks to 22 strikeouts in 22 innings last month. In seven more innings this month, he has the same number of walks with six more strikeouts. So I think he, something was clicking there for him, and he was turning the corner. He's been solid since the All-Star break, so I, I think that's that's a good sign. And, yeah, we're talking about more of these prospects. You know, when Prieto, Rom's an, a more interesting discussion, I think, but Prieto, I, I'm just going to repeat this again. I didn't see a path for him to the Major League roster here in Baltimore. You don't want him playing shortstop. He's definitely not a Major League shortstop. You don't want him playing third base. I don't think the arm is strong enough. He's pretty much locked to second base. And even then, it's like they're not going to move him out to the outfield like they've done with guys like Norby. I think he was completely blocked. And honestly, I said this going back to the Arizona Fall League, go back to last October when we were looking at uh, who was it when it was announced that Prieto and others were going to the Arizona Fall League and we were breaking down that roster. I was like, why? He just, he's first year here in the state. He's adjusting to this you know, American lifestyle after his defection from Cuba, long season here in American ball, and you're going to immediately ship him off to Arizona. I was like, why not give him a break? I always thought from back then they were showcasing him for a trade. Hope it clicked in Arizona and move him in the offseason. Clearly, I, I just didn't see a role for him, and so moving him I think made a, a ton of sense. Yeah, it's worth discussing Flaherty, um, kind of his trajectory over the last couple of years. If you go back to 2019, he was very good for St. Louis. 2020 is shortened season, and then 2021 and 2022 were affected by injuries for him. He had an oblique issue in 2021 and then would later go on the IL again because of a shoulder issue. The shoulder issue would linger into 2022 for him. However, he has been healthy in 2023, and while not at the level of his 2018-2019 numbers, still pretty good. And one point about this trade that I like is that you're bringing in someone who – has experienced pitching a full season. Yeah, it's been a little while since we've seen him go deep into the year. Part of that was the pandemic. Part of that was the injuries. But there's nothing to really indicate this year that he's not going to be a guy down the stretch who can't provide you innings. And the other thing is he has postseason experience. 
And I think that that is going to be valuable when the time rolls around. The fact that he was on a team in 2019 that made it to the NLCS, he was on a playoff team in 2020. When you have such a young pitching staff, to now have him and Kyle Gibson as two guys that have pitched in the playoffs before, although Gibson's experience is somewhat limited, that can only help in, in this situation, I think. I just think that, yes, it would have been extremely frustrating. I don't want to say it would be like negligent, but it'd be extremely frustrating if the Orioles did not make a move. But I think this reiterates a couple points that the Orioles are willing to stretch a little bit to get their guy. I think they definitely had to pay up a little bit here for Flaherty, uh, including Zach Showalter there in that deal, um, which is good. It's good to see that this organization is willing to be aggressive. You know, I know Michael has had the quote there that said they took some pretty big swings. You know, GM speak, you know, you take that with a grain of salt, but it does seem like the Orioles were pretty heavily involved there with Dylan Cease and maybe Eduardo Rodriguez. And maybe Cease is a guy that they can go off in the offseason. The price maybe can come down a little bit. Uh, and Steve can still be a guy that the Orioles can target. I don't know, but I like that, that the Orioles were right down to the last 10 minutes there. The Orioles seem to be still heavily connected to the White Sox for Dylan Cease. I like that. They didn't get him. I think that's okay. And I think this reiterates, though, that like what Kyle Gibson said and others have said, that this organization, they believe they can win the World Series with the roster they have in place. And they didn't tip any clubhouse culture. I know Ryan Ripken had some tweets about that today, too. He shared his thoughts about that, how important that is. They didn't tip that. They only added to the Major League roster. They traded two fringy Major League guys who probably weren't going to have much of a role here in Baltimore and one lottery ticket pitching prospect. I, I'm just talking myself as I'm just kind of rambling here. I'm talking myself more and more into this deal that uh, I think I like it even more. Yeah, I guess what they traded 2021 Taron Vavra or first half 2022 Taron Vavra. Um, I don't want to say Zach Lothar, but uh, one of those lefties that were coming up. Maybe Keegan Aiken is a decent actually comparison as far as value goes. And then uh, Zach Showalter, that one. That one still hurts no matter what, but I get it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be really, really interesting where things go from here. You needed that starting pitcher. We talked about it a lot last night with Connor. I'm glad they did it. And now I'm also glad that the trade deadline trade trade deadline is over and we can focus on just the play on the field. And I think we can stop bringing up that Sig Mydell book quote about hoarding prospects. Cause uh, I think this trade, if nothing else shows you, we're not hoarding prospects. They, they oversold, they didn't stick to their value because this is not great value. If you look at it, from the Orioles' perspective, but they did what they had to do. They they got a starting pitcher, and we can talk about if there should have been other moves that were made, but I'm at least glad that we know in the buy mode at the deadline, the Orioles will make a move. It also just I just get the sense that like, now that the trade is complete, like, Drew Rahm just feels like a very Cardinals pitcher. Like, I feel like he fits in perfectly with that uniform in that ballpark, and you know it could very well – we could see Prato be a – prominent uh, player in that the Cardinals lineup, maybe even by the end of this year. Uh, Drew Rahm could give the Cardinals major league innings this year and be a prominent piece for them next year. And Zach Showalter could develop into a major league starter, but I still think that this is a potentially a win-win deal. Cardinals get good pieces that can be major league starters. Yes, the Orioles had to give that up, but that's the price of doing business. 
But at the same time, the Orioles get a proven major league starter here who can help them this year and help this team maybe push them over the edge. You know, he's not going to change sportsbook odds tonight. Like the Orioles' odds of winning the World Series aren't going to increase tonight over on DraftKings or anything. But I think he's going to have a bigger impact than, um, you know, maybe what even some of the numbers are. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting when you look at some of those big-name guys that there were some complex situations in place. Eduardo Rodriguez reportedly should have gone to the Dodgers, but Im implemented his no-trade clause and blocked the deal from happening. Uh, Dylan Cease plays for, I think, an organization that could be fair to qualify as stubborn. And if they place a high value on Dylan Cease around the trade deadline, they're going to stick to that. They may also be banking on the fact that there are still some younger players there who have some upside, and maybe they feel like between now and when Cease hits free agency, they can get back in the contention. I don't think they've done enough to get to that point, but if they want to spend the last two months of the season believing that and then look to move Cease in the offseason, go ahead and let them do it. Um, there's a whole group of pitchers I would put ahead of Cease. One of them was a guy that I mentioned on our show Monday night with Connor, and that's Mitch Keller. I would gladly take Mitch Keller over Dylan Cease right now. But I could also see where Cease is a good acquisition for the Orioles in the offseason. And, you know, this is another part of this that I was thinking about before we came on the air was Fujinami is the only addition to the bullpen. We know that this is a volatile area of the team. But in some other news today, D.L. Hall is back in Norfolk. Uh, if he's going to work in a relief role and the velocity is there, I got to think we see him down the stretch. Now with Flaherty in place, Cole Irvin's there as a good insurance policy. I think a very good insurance policy, actually, as your you know sort of long man slash de facto six starter. And then you have you know Bruce Zimmerman further down as another insurance policy. But now you've got more flexibility with John Means. You know if John Means comes back and he looks good, but you're not thinking he's going to give you more than four innings in a start, he goes to the bullpen. For the rest of the year yeah so this does give you a little bit more flexibility where i'm still concerned about the bullpen but i think now having flarity gives the orioles some opportunity to mix and match that they wouldn't have had if they hadn't gone out and made this move yeah that's totally fair and with dylan cease i think that's a guy who you know he went from cy young candidate last year to struggling a little bit this year still showing glimpses of his old self but velocity down some things he could work on that's a trade obviously if you can make it now you do it but for the right price but in the off season you'll have more time to work with him in spring training leading up to a full season of getting him back on track who knows if you could get him in a in the place where he would really be as helpful as he may next year but that might just be trying to come with grips of not getting a, a big starter like that but um and I guess we could also talk about the huge trade, Eduardo, Edward Bizardo for uh, some uh, single-A reliever that we got. <laughs> hey, better than nothing. Yeah, I, I think also, too, one other point about uh, the, the moving forward and how all this sets up. I almost wonder if this means – obviously, we don't know what the conversations are like as far as relievers go. I know a lot of people – in our Patreon chat, right, there are a lot of – comments today there's there are millions of comments today but you know there's some conversation about all right if we don't get the starter that's okay but let's address the bullpen and i was on that wagon as well i would have been fine with that we didn't address the bullpen but i wonder if this organization feels like dl hall is looking much better and he is going to be in a position to contribute 
down the stretch? And if so, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. We talked about it a couple of times that DL being able to add a healthy DL Hall with his velo back in a couple of weeks for this down the stretch playoff run, that's the kind of guy that teams are unloading the farm for at the trade deadline. And so if he's back to normal and he's back in Norfolk now, like you said, so we'll see here in a couple of days, hopefully he gets his first action. We'll see exactly what shape he's in. But if he can be that guy, then that's huge. Another huge addition here for the Orioles that uh, another internal option. That is a great point. And honestly, I even heard people saying leading up to the deadline as they're griping that the Orioles haven't done anything and they've made the worst uh, mistake let down in franchise history by not going out and get someone like two hours before the deadline even passed. Um, I heard people saying Elias better not come out and say D.L. Hall is going to be a relief addition later in the season. But the fact is he, he could be easily. And I know he said a week or two ago that they weren't sure if they were going to bring Hall back as a reliever or try to build him back up as a starter again. This seems to cement uh, him as coming up for relief help at the end of the season. And like you said, maybe this means they really like what they saw. I know it was the FCL, but I mean, struck out what eight of his first nine outs that he recorded. I'm not sure what he did in his, his uh, last one, but yeah, he would be a huge help. Velo back up to 95, 96. I think they were saying too, like just, the whole D.L. Hall is a starter thing. I'm so over it. I'm done with it. Enough already. I, I don't care anymore. Put him in that bullpen because he's already shown success. Look at the numbers last year when he was up in the major leagues in that bullpen role. He pitched very well. He went on a stretch of, what, seven, eight innings without giving up a run. He was going up against playoff teams. He was very effective out of the bullpen. I think he can be a very effective bullpen arm at the end of this year and moving forward. I just... Yes, of course, the Orioles are going to bring him up as a reliever because he's a pretty darn good reliever. And like, you know, if if you get your top three pitching prospects, Grayson and, and Kyle Bradish as legitimate major league starters, and DL Hall, your third best pitching prospect, as a solid back end reliever, you nailed it. Like you're you're nailing this pitching development thing. A lot of things are going right for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I won't go into the whole tangent that I think that I've gone into on the show before where no organization ever develops five homegrown starters. This just doesn't happen. Um, so if that does work out for the Orioles, that is a success. I think that, you know, as I'm looking forward here over the next two months, I think the Orioles are a stronger team now than they were earlier today before they had Flaherty. I think that his addition is at least going to stabilize a rotation. And as I pointed out, you know, in the lead in here for all of its flaws, which are well-documented and on some nights, very visible, the Orioles still have the best record in the American league and the second best record in all of baseball. Um, they just won the season series against the Yankees. And I believe if they split in Toronto, they'll win the season series against the Blue Jays. That's not something we would have seen coming into this year. So, you know, the, that's kind of where I'm looking at. This is you've now stabilized this. If you want to ride it out with this young team the rest of the way and hope that the rotation can get you into the playoffs and find another gear for the short series, I'm fine with that approach. I, I, I'm good with that for this year. Yeah. You got better. At the end of the day, you got better. You didn't give up any top 100 prospects. You still got a loaded farm system that you can, you're going to go into the offseason with and with prices much cheaper for some of the top talents. 
you know, we still don't know financially where this organization is going to go in the offseason. And I know that's still very skeptical of what the Orders are going to do there. But I don't think there's there are much fewer questions, I think, as far as what the Orders are willing to do with trades. I feel a lot more confident that the right opportunity presents itself this offseason for, you know, that Corbin Burns type, or maybe it's Cease again this offseason. Maybe if, if the Orioles like him, they think they can fix him. I think the Orioles are going to have no issues in pulling the trigger there and bringing those guys in, even multiple guys, which, you know, again, I'm fine with. I don't think they need to spend, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars on the big free agent starting pitchers because they can go off and trade for these guys. So it's everything's still looking rosy and they're winning right now against the Blue Jays as we speak. So uh, everybody's Connor Norby's destroying baseballs in Norfolk right now. I think he feels relieved. Uh, things are rosy here in Baltimore and feeling good. Yeah. I mean, a lot of fans are complaining. That's what fans do. But we are, what, 24 games over 500. If we win today, we have the season series over the Blue Jays. We're going to the playoffs. We got better today. Maybe not better as good as people maybe have hoped, but temper your expectations when it comes to the trade deadline. How much do te- uh, trade deadline acquisitions actually help in the long run? I think, you know, it's kind of like a shot in the dark unless you're the Atlanta Braves in 2021. But, um, yeah, and we still have the number one farm system in baseball. That didn't change today either. So still plenty of bullets to use and plenty of guys to bring up in September. Heston Kerstad, come on, let's go. Absolutely. And with that, that has been our look back at this trade deadline, the move that the Orioles made. We're going to be on Monday night with our full rundown of our updated top 50 prospect list. You will not want to miss that. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter at BSL on the Birds. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. You can sign up for our Patreon community now and sign up on a seven-day free trial or commit to a three, five, or $10 level at the five and $10 level if you have access to exclusive bonus daily coverage of the minor leagues. And while you're browsing the internet, be sure to head over to baltimoresportsandlife.com for all the latest coverage on the Orioles, Ravens, college sports, and more, and hop on the message board join the discussion with fellow readers of the site as well as contributors to BSL. For Bob Phelan, Nick Stevens, and Bob's baby, This is Zach Spedden. You've been listening to On The Verge. That'll do it for this week's episode of On The Verge. Be sure to check out our Patreon page where you can help show your support for the show and get bonus content, including monthly top 50 updates to our prospect list and daily game recaps during the season and much, much more. Is your wallet lighter than usual after a fun-filled summer? A little cash can go a long way, which is why the Chime checking account has tons of benefits you'll love, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and thousands of ATMs. You can even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. Sign up for Chime today. Get started at Chime.com fee-free. Chime is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services and debit cards provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.